You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Well, good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Welcome back to Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. And today we have a nice, small, quiet, intimate show with my special guest for the evening, Bryn. Wow. What a, <laughs> what a way to set the tone. It's like, this, isn't like, this isn't Nerd to Know Basis after dark. This is just a normal show. Cool, calm, 5 p.m. drive time. Nice. <laughs> Talking about pre-watershed topics. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, have you been, man? How's your week? Good, good. Uh, still playing Final Fantasy XIV because that game uh, yeah. consumed my life, and I am eternally grateful for it. I, I'm still so. For those of you that don't know, Final Fantasy XIV, it's MMO. It's it's World of Warcraft style MMO. It is entirely free to play the base game and the first expansion. I have only just finished the base game and I've clocked over a hundred hours. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's a lot of time, man. It's that yeah, is- like, that's, that's just small though. Like it's, there's some days where I will spend the better part of it, 10 hours playing it, but like that's, I'll log in for like two hours, do a couple of raids and log out. Um, and obviously, like the, the biggest drawing point or for why I spend so much time is because I'm playing it with people I know. Oh, uh, okay. That makes that's more sense. Yeah. See, like that's been my main problem with uh, MMOs in general is that other people are there and I don't <laughs> like that. Um, it's saying that Final Fantasy, compared, like, compared to the likes of World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV is designed to be a really, really solid single player RPG where everything is story focused. Um, all like that you you'll like follow the main plot and you are the main character. There's a bit of a, a disconnect there when you see a bunch of people like lining up, but when you're in cutscenes, you are the primal focal point. That's great. Uh, and when you kind of like get into the main plot of it, it's really, really interesting. It's just a really good Final Fantasy story. Mm. That um also just like is just kind of a celebration of Final Fantasy as the brand as a whole. Like mm. one of one of the first post-game raid bosses you fight is a giant Moogle called King Moogle Mog the Twelfth. <laughs> and it's excellent. 
That's great. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, from what you're saying, I'm, I know it's like a meme for the for this show at this point, but like it reminds me a very lot, a lot of how I felt about um, Star Wars: The Old Republic as an MMO, where it did feel like a very good single play, like a very good single player campaign that just happened to have other people there. But then when you get into cutscenes and everything like that, you're still the focal point of it as well, and it's just really really good. Um, I, I I definitely think like that's kind of like the best way for those games to come across is where they do those kind of MMOs is where like they do come across as something that still retains a level of local player intimacy, if that makes sense, hmm. you know, so that you're always seeing the, uh, so you're always seeing the best, you're always seeing something, things through your character's eyes rather than the being that like, Oh, well, you're just one cog in this very large machine. You know? Yeah. I think it, like it also well it depends on kind of just what you look for because like I'd, I'd say like its biggest comparison is WoW is World of Warcraft, uh, but WoW is designed that you are just this this singular person in this huge world where everything's happening around you, mm. um, which I think people like there is people that want that that want to be a small part of a huge world and just kind of hang out there and and just do that in groups as opposed to Final Fantasy where you could do it very much singularly you could sit down and just play through Final Fantasy completely on your own. Um, yeah, well, that, I mean, that's always, like, a, a really fair way to treat it, though, because, like, it's... I think... Um, I think it's one of, the, one of the big challenges with those kind of games is, like, what do you do if you have someone who likes Final Fantasy but doesn't have any friends who like Final Fantasy, you know? Which I mean, like again, Final Fantasy is one of the most popular popular franchises. But I can imagine there would be people who are going, "Well, I like it, but I don't know anyone else who does." Most people would want to play it, but then if they don't have people around them, then that's this game is out for years, and I've only jumped in like the past couple Mm -hmm. of months because I always looked at it and thought it's an MMO. I don't want to play that sort of thing. Yeah, and it was only when friends of mine roped me into it. (laughs) <laughs> that I sat down and actually played it. Like played it yeah. with them. They kind of walked me through like the 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 growing pains of starting an MMO. And then I was like, oh, oh, this is just a really good game. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. that's always the best way for it to go. Mm. You know. So I like. What, are you playing? What are you playing that on? Then are you playing that the on the PS4? Actually, really? Which, yeah. Which is another thing that like obviously like its its main focal point is probably on PC. But the PS4 like the like the PlayStation console port is shockingly street is very very well streamlined that's um, great like, they they managed to adapt all of the kind of the basic hotkey functions into it into a standardized controller it's not without its issues um because there are some smaller functions uh that like are very specifically designed for like a mouse just to like move to a, a small icon and click it that can be a little bit arduous and you can basically write off the entire type function. Oh, yeah, like, fair. I start, I start a dungeon and people are saying hi. I'm just a mute at that point because it takes about six button presses to get into the keyboard and then it's typing with a PS4 controller. And by that point, they're halfway through the dungeon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's always been one of the things that like, uh, I've always found like really difficult is like playing games where people are also trying to chat to you using, using the same keyboard and like, how do you what? How do you do that and play a game at the same time? <laughs> you know, Giga Brain. Yeah, 
yeah, I just don't have a uh, don't have a mind for that stuff, mm. you know. Oh yeah, no, like the uh, it's been the only time it's come in handy is for particular like some of the late game kind of raid bosses are basically puzzles in their own right. So mm. sometimes you get some late like some some later players come like just coming to the chat like you got to do this 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 and this and it's the only way we're gonna survive. And that's a, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, that's awesome. But yeah, I suppose like this is yeah like it's and the whole and as I've been mentioning like it is free for a ridiculous amount of content. So, so long as you have like a stable internet connection, mm. I say, just give it a shot, even with or without people. I genuinely think it is a, just a, a terribly fun game. Um, and you cannot blame me if it devours your free time. Yeah, that's fair. I have um, I have Mass Effect Legendary Edition doing the same thing to my free time where it is just going, well, you have free time, so... Taking that, you get it back when you finish the third game. I'm like, there's so much to do in the first game. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard, actually, I've heard it's a really good remaster, particularly the first one, actually. I've heard they really polished that up. Oh, I mean, yeah, I haven't... Again, I'm still on the first one. um, And the polish on it is definitely, you know, polished to an absolute shine. It's it's fantastic what they've done. Like, I mean... (sighs) There's just so many, so much of like the textures and stuff are just much more vibrant, much more um, exciting. Like I always felt like the, I always felt like, and again, like I love the original Mass Effect, but like I always felt like a lot of the textures in it were very um, lifeless and very cardboardy. But again, that's also very, that's still the generation it's from as the PS3. So that was still something that didn't really get resolved until the PS4. Muddy was the name of the game back then. Yeah, oh, everything was brown. <laughs> everything was Every- brown. Everything wanted to be Call of Duty. The fact Every- that Bioware got away with a game that involved talking—that's yeah. that's that's an achievement. Yeah, you know, and they just fell right into the problematic waters of going, "Hey, you romance people by just talking to them." So it's like, oh yeah, sure. There's nothing more to it than that. It's just. You just talk. To, you just listen to what they say long enough, and then they'll want to romance with you. That's that's that's, that's how, how it works. works. Right? That's how it works. In my experience, that's how it works. Yeah, it's oversimplification, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah. I mean, even aside from that, I mean, like everything that can be improved has been improved. Um, yeah, it's just been really, really fun to go through it. Um, the one thing I will say is, like, for people who hate the Mako from Mass Effect 1, it's still as Larry as it ever was, but I can't help but love that beast of a machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, because like, the only thing about it, the, the only, the, the main kind of like uh, selling point I've heard of it is that everyone's just happy to have the convenience of having Mass Effect 2 on modern hardware. <laughs> Just yeah, I mean it's it's interesting though because like I've um like I I I will I, I like uh, one of the things I'm very aware of because only I, last time I played Mass Effect Two was about two or three years ago and one of the things that like I started noticing it and then I started seeing content where people are making proper video essays about it where it's like okay there's a lot of like really critical story beats that are set up at the end of Mass Effect 1, that Mass Effect 2 just goes, no, 2, and you're just like, hmm, as much as I want to say Mass Effect 2 is is the best game in the series, between the stories that it tells and uh, gameplay and everything, the fact that it kind of, it 
it, the fact that it kind of just decides that certain things basically didn't happen or aren't important anymore really hurts the franchise overall because it just it basically because the, there's a bunch of stuff that's set up in it which is like the, the like um there's a bunch of stuff that's set up in it like um like this idea that like uh the the reapers are going to have an all-out war with us and it's coming and we have to do something and then it's basically a game that doesn't address any of that it also you also have like a also set up where pretty much everyone in established positions accepts that the reapers are coming and they need to be dealt with come to mass effect 2 and basically everyone's back to thinking that you're a crackpot again it's just like this, this doesn't I, really make me feel I, like it's a lived-in world as much anymore. <laughs> like I, I, I'm showing, I'm showing my, I'm, I'm gonna show my sleeve here. I have not played any of the Mass Effects. Yeah. But from what I, because from what I understand, it's that, like pretty much all, like a lot of these kind of Bioware games, like that in Dragon Age, uh, when you boot up the sequels, it like, kind of like it gives you a questionnaire to kind of set the world. That you yeah, ended the, the first game on. There, there was a, there was a, there was, a, there was two. Uh, there was a DLC for the second one or the third one that you could get, which would basically allow you to carry on, and uh, that would allow you to carry on to basically have a Mass Effect save without having a Mass Effect save mm. for for that game. But if you have your save, it carry it imports through and carries over to um, to the follow, to the next game. So if it, like if you play Mass Effect One, that save will carry over, and you can bring that character and their everything they've done on all of their side missions over to the next game. And it's mm. uh, it's one of those things where like while while I think Mass Effect One in a lot of ways is while I think it's the most ambitious game, and while I think it gets more it get more it gets more things right than it does wrong, the things it gets wrong still make it more of a chore because of how. What an utter joy Mass Effect Two is to play. It it kind of it it shows off that like you know if you crack the game design of you making a fun game to play, that is above all else uh, above like story. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you were talking then about um, about how good Mass Effect Two was played. Yeah, so like, I I mean if you haven't played it, like the. The way, um, like, there's there's a cer- there's certain things that just make it a much more enjoyable experience. Mass Effect One. Well, I definitely think that, like, in the confines of the of the of the trilogy, it definitely did damage to the narrative that needed to be told. As a standalone game, the uh, the missions are much more are, the side missions are much more exciting than the than what you get in Mass Effect One. A lot of Mass Effect One missions end up being Land here, collect minerals, find the other, find these other bits and pieces, and then uh, then there'll be an encounter for you to deal with that will be more or less go inside this building and clear it out. In Mass Effect Two, there's way more of a variance where sometimes there are missions that are kind of like that, but then there's also stuff where like you have to get like you have the uh, you have to do stuff like uh, collect uh, data from. Uh, from a ship that's basically about to fall off the side of a giant cliff. There's no way for you to rescue it. 
you know so like you're just like there in your armor just sl- slowly going can i go this way oh no that doesn't sound good how, can, how about i go this way okay that sounds better so you just kind of just move on in that kind of way it's kind of like tentatively going through a hall of mirrors it's amazing and like it has the, like so there's a huge there's a huge amount of variance in it if you've played mass effect one again all of your side mission data along with your main story data gets uh, passed through as well so you get little encounters where you meet people that you interacted with in for in the first game again and it just makes it a much more satisfying experience because you're like oh everything i did in the first game wasn't for nothing even though all the major stuff doesn't really carry over so a lot of it is for nothing but it's it makes the experience enjoyable all the same the little Um, character moments can just can absolutely just like make you feel like it's a worthwhile experience oh totally and like again like it took me it took me about like eight years of on again, like of uh, doing different playthroughs of Mass Effect 2 before I started going, hang on a second. <laughs> you know, like, so it's not like it's not like it's, um, to me at least, it wasn't like it was a massively obvious thing. And like, again, it's, um, it doesn't take away from the countless hours I've had in that game of making characters and uh, going th- and going through the main storyline and dealing with the, the really, really good soundtrack in it. Definitely, like I mean, again, if you haven't played it, definitely recommend getting a legendary edition and just going through the the story from start to finish. Sounds awesome. I uh, if again, if I ever get let you know, <laughs> Square yeah. Enix let its its vice hold grip on my life to go. Yeah, I'll put it all on the list. I think it, I've been eyeing it up for a while. I I I it's I, I finished Dragon Age Inquisition uh, a couple of months ago and. I'm getting that Bioware itch. I, I, it's, yeah. It seems like it might scratch it. Yeah. Oh, no, it, cer- it certainly will. It's fair. Like the, the hallmarks of Bioware are all over Mass Effect. And you'll definitely like, uh, in Mass Effect 1, you will certainly get the feel of going, oh, this is like Dragon Age 1 and 2. Very strong. Um, but yeah, like, um, because I can't think of a nice way to segue into it. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was trying to think of like a good way. Yeah. Uh, speaking of unsatisfying game, yeah. Topic. How about that? Uh, how about that switch reveal? <laughs> so, so, um, I've talked about this before on the show. I have no problem talking about it again. But as soon as I heard that the new that the new uh, switch was out. You best believe that I immediately went on and went through the specifications to go. So where's my Bluetooth audio? Where is it? Where is it, Nintendo? Where is my Bluetooth audio? How can you not have my Bluetooth audio? I need it. (laughs) My wife, she asked me where the Bluetooth audio. Okay, to be completely clear about this, over the past week, uh, Nintendo have announced... Uh, they are releasing an updated version of the Switch. Yeah. Uh, this has been something that has been in the rumors. It's it's one of these like worst kept secrets that everyone was thinking that was going to be released to D3 or an SD3. And so they've announced over the week. And it is the Nintendo Switch OLED version. Model. Yeah. And there is a lot of questions. Like <laughs> because okay, yeah. So 
first and foremost, obviously, one of the biggest complaints is the Bluetooth. And it is crazy that they have made an updated version of the Switch that does not have, that still does not have Bluetooth. Mm. But I you, think, like, I'll get all back onto it because there's another, there's another fork in the road in that. But like, outside of that, I mean, a lot of the features they're coming up with are basically okay. So it's just a slightly wider screen and OLED screens. Okay. Yeah, like it's, it's. Seems so. That's the thing. It's it's a slightly wider OLED screen uh, in the portable mode, and it's got <laughs> you can, Nintendo you got, on the front got, of pioneering have put yeah. in a LAN <laughs> groundbreaking stuff. Guys. Well, I mean, like, I mean, like, look. Put it this way: if I had one, I would absolutely attach a LAN cable to it. But I don't see the look. point. I don't see much need to. Uh, yeah, again, like it's you know if if you re- want like a if you want like a um, if you want like a, the fastest most stable connection, a wired connection is always better. That's it. So yeah, he, he spent a lot of time playing like Mario Kart and Splatoon online. I absolutely yeah. can see why that'd be great. Again, yeah. while that that wasn't originally on it, but here yeah. we are. It, like, there's a lot of questions though, because the first one is like. The biggest rumor supposed to be that this was going to be like a pro version. Yeah. And so like when they announced an OLED version, there's no actual graphical enhancement, which leads me just down a rabbit hole here. And I think that there is still plans for one. This is tinfoil hat now. Mm. (laughs) And I think that there is still plans for one. However, the semiconductor shortages are just making they cannot. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably, like, that's probably a reasonable expectation. Like they probably had like all the OLED stuff available for the upgraded version, and then just the hardware just, shortages are just yeah. they cannot mass produce switches that can now put a 4K because of all the hardware and semiconductor uh, shortages. Yeah. So and like knowing that like pe- that like. This was bubbling over. Because again, like this has been something that has been talked about for months, if not a year now. Um, yeah, I think the first one like, was about a year ago. Yeah, so like people have been asking about this, and especially after nothing was mentioned of it on at the E3, Nintendo, the higher ups were obviously like, we just need to we need to put out something. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a little crazy that they are charging like fifty quid extra for it. I, I think you could probably square away a lot of that expense being put on the on because the, the the disc space is a good bit bigger than. Is it, I I can never remember because I know it's the new one. They said it was sixty four. I can't remember what was the original thirty two. I think the original was thirty two. Um. I think the yeah, I think the original was either sixteen or thirty-two. Like it wasn't anything. Yeah, because like I know, so I know like, sixty-four. I like I, I think when I saw that first, I was like, was it was it not already sixty-four? Like between between like between the OLED screen and sixty-four gig space, I guess you could kind of go, okay, that that's reasonable. Well, that's kind of it, really. Yeah, like it, it definitely seems like the sort of thing where if you have a switch, yeah. There's next to no reason for you to get this. Yeah. So like, unless you the, the are new, the, the new kickstand is nice. Er, looks it looks all right. Um, 
It's definitely not just a small piece of plastic. It's a slightly bigger piece of plastic. Well, like it's a, pl- a piece of plastic that runs the whole length of the yeah. That's of the, that's the other that, is, that, the, that the is an improvement. The, yeah, the, the other kickstand was it, it jarring that it's this is not a professional product. It is, yeah. it is a small flap of plastic, smaller yeah. than my fingers. Yeah, and I would I would still say that like as uh, underwhelming as it is, still not the most, still not, not the biggest oversight they made. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? like um, because like yeah, apparently as well. Like just because like um, I immediately started googling around about the about the USB audio thing because it drove me crazy. And I found an article that said that like apparently USB audio is part of it's part of like a, one of the next version updates that's supposed to come along for the Switch, but apparently nothing works with it. So oh. it's it's coming, but nothing more. But but it's not. It, it's it's coming as part of one of the next updates. But it's not going to have any like driver support or anything for USB audio devices. Which that's is strange. That, very that's just... strange. And, but it makes you go like, but if if nothing is random, why is it there? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because I think I heard, I, I'm not, again, I, I, this was something I spotted on a forum post. So I can't mm-hmm. claim ha- at all how reputable a source this is. Yeah. But I think I heard that, like, it, as well, the Joy-Cons operate through a Bluetooth functionality. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they just, so again, Tim Foyle had just back on there. There could be a scenario where they can't have it where they've got two different Bluetooth drivers putting it for the Joy-Cons and they just can't get it to square off with another one outputting an audio device. Yeah, well, I mean... St- it's, stably. It's, I, I, think, I, I think it's... Like, I don't think it's with that... I think it's, uh, it's one of those things where, like, if they were saying, well, if you want to use Bluetooth audio, if you want to use the Bluetooth audio, you can't use a... Um, you can't use an external, you can't use an unwired pro controller or use detached controllers. You have to uh, have them connected to the to the switch to directly to the switch for you to use it because otherwise there just isn't the bandwidth for the Bluetooth receiver. If they said that, I'd be like, yeah, that's reasonable. It's still better than nothing. No Bluetooth you know? at all, yeah. Because, again, like it's not, it's not like you can hook up two, Bluetooth, two different Bluetooth speakers to your phone. You know? Like, there is a, there is a limited amount of bandwidth on, what, uh, mm. on how many Bluetooth devices can be put there. But, at the same time, surely it should just be possible to... To have one at a time. Yeah. And just be able to swap, and just have the capability to swap between. Yeah. Or even, you know, even if it was a case of, like, adding in a second Bluetooth receiver on a machine that clearly has enough space to do so, you know, again, it's, this is one of the oldest game companies in the world. Surely this, these things are possible. Yeah, but, like, there's, like, Nintendo, they, they could be very forward-thinking on a lot of aspects, but then in some of the most basic, fundamental things, they are so behind. They have no concept. They like their understanding of online play is 10 years in the past. They have, like, aside from the fact that they have very little understanding of server capacity, uh, 
especially considering how popular their systems are, like apparently, apparently it is still difficult to get a decent game of, of Smash running online, like smoothly. That doesn't shock um, me, funnily enough. But then there's the whole communication, like there, there's this, the, the archaic voice communication system is one thing that's still, I just don't understand how they got this. Because the, the Switch has a microphone, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it does. So, but instead of have, like, having a scenario where you can use the microphone on board the Switch, that you have to download an app on your phone to register that to your Switch to have what... It, it, I don't get it. By that yeah. point, you're pretty much just going to use Discord. Yeah. Which, funnily enough, a lot of Switch users do. <laughs> well, you know. I wonder what that's about. Yeah, it's um, ironic. <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 that age-old uh, consumer uh, 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 verbiage uh, of just like you know, go for the most convenient. Like if it, convenience will take over all else. So if you just have yeah. an app there, like I could talk to my friends on this while I'm playing this. I'm not gonna go jump through your hoops to download this voice app. Absolutely. Well, that's. I mean, like that's always been how it goes because, like, I mean, like l- look at how almost anything. Uh, look at how almost any games company has got uh, has gotten to work with these things. Like they, they rarely create a situation for themselves where people use things outside of the games they make for it. Because, like, I mean, take Grand Theft Auto, for example. How many people actually downloaded that iFruit app? You know? The, wait, what? So, like, there's an app you could get with your with the game that would be a companion to your Grand Theft Auto playthrough. Oh? Yeah. No one knew, like, barely <laughs> anyone used it, apart from probably people who play online. Um, in 2021, for a game that's nearly 10 years old, you know, that's hey, 10 years old, still selling the most much. Like, like, I mean, it boggles the mind how it still sells copies to me. I like, I'll still one of the funniest things was the PlayStation 5 release or reveal, yeah, uh, broadcast from like last year. First thing on the docket, GTA 5. I'm like, guys, guys, you can't show off a 10-year-old game for a new console. You can't. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, this game came out for the PS3. <laughs> it came out for the PS3, guys. Come on. Like, like It's cool I, that, like, you know, it's cool that you're bringing it to it. You can't lead. You can't lead like, a broadcast with that. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it's crazy to say that most people now really want a GTA Six. Most people want a GTA Six. Sure, they're making money off of their whales and whatever, but like, there's a lot more money they're leaving on the table by not. <laughs> I I I'm 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 over here in the small dark corner. Hey hey Rockstar, hey Rockstar. I know, like I get it. You're a terrible company, but bully too. <laughs> is there is there anything to be said for another for for a bully too? I thought the first one went very well. <laughs> <laughs> I I I would like a bully too. That's 
like I mean, all of, like Blade Two is the game is the game we deserve, but not the one we need right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's right. You know. Um, God, oh, yeah. God, yeah. I'd love a bully too, though. Oh man, like. Uh, speaking of uh, teenage drama, there's a segue yeah. for you. <laughs> um, I have recently previewed on the 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 platform of Netflix. Yeah. Uh, recently, their their new horror series, or horror movie series, should I say, uh, Fear Street. Yeah. The first of which, uh, Fear Street 1994, is out, uh, and. If it, I think it's like I got it like I think it's really cool the kind of the, the the conceit. It is a horror movie anthology series taking place in three different time periods, all of which are interlinked. So the first one is 1994. I'm like these, yeah. these like the dates are the subheadings of each of the movies. So the first is 1994. The second is 1976, 1970s, and then the third one is 1666. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so the first one is 90s disillusioned Americana. The 70s one is a sleepover, is a stay-away camp, summer camp. And then the 1666 one is witch trials. Yeah, that's and awesome. It's, on top of that, it is based on, uh, it's based on a book series by R.L. Stein as well called Fear Street, but it is super adult, <laughs> the, the movie. Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's very strange for Oriel Stein, who, uh, I mean, basically my childhood of horror is just attributed to our, to his books, as like most people my age. Yeah, I can't speak to his influence on the actual series. I haven't read any of the any of the Fair Street books, and mm. um, all I know is that it's 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 like they the books were the the inspiration for this for the movie series, but. Uh, I can I can report that Fear Street 1994 is stellar. It is a really solid modern uh, version of like a a, a, a a schlocky slasher movie, um, and just does a great job of being a ninety like a 1994 period piece. Um, awesome. So is it like is it trying to like take homage from like the the slasher movies of that time? Like I know it's oh, good last summer and uh, absolutely and- it it wears oh absolutely like it wears uh like Friday the thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street on its sleeve, if not if not just out and out referencing it. <laughs> Again, oh, nineteen ninety-four. In the in the first one, all of that's already happened. So Yeah. Awesome. Um like one of the one of the main characters is on AOL chat rooms because the whole like the whole premise is that it's based in a town called uh, Shadyvale, mm. where who just has a history of macabre murders. Just decade after decade after decade, somebody always shows up and performs a terribly gruesome murder. Um. Uh, just yeah, the, one of the main characters is a guy in an AOL chat room that says it's all the work of a witch that was burned at the stake in the 1600s. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> um, so it's like it's basically like lo- lofting together like a a really like ridiculous uh, conspiracy theory along the whole way. Oh, because that's it. Like it's and 
it's actually it's a long enough movie it's an hour and 40 minutes which is long for one of these kind of things yeah, i mean it's not that bad i mean like it's not like it's I, but like i think when i see so like a schlocky kind of b horror movie i usually expect like a 70 minute uh yeah i don't know i expect like anywhere from 80 to 90 personally but like mm. yeah but yeah about 100 minutes it's 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 on the longer side but i think what really gets that is it balances the slasher horror the slasher thriller with a really solid air of mystery where yeah. it's it's keeping you guessing about what's actually happening That's and then great. there's then there's the you know the the, the gory thrill yeah um and on top of that it's also wonderfully gay <laughs> <laughs> the, the main couple are, are a lesbian couple and it is just it is fantastic to see <laughs> you love to see it kids um but yeah, I um I, I went into it just kind of like as well like it's it's really well directed as well. It's got a really solid, uh, really kind of vibrant like dark but neon color palette that just makes it really fun. Like that was what drew me in with the advertising. And again, the seventies one looks like a pure saturated seventies camp movie. Oh, brilliant! Um, so like it's very very well made. Uh, so after watching yeah, so after watching this one. The second one goes up on Netflix on Friday, so should be up by the time this recording goes live. Uh, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly excited. I really, I really hope that they just land it because the first one's really good. I can only, I, like, again, with how well they homaged '80s, '90s slashers, I can only think they're going to nail '70s slashers. Go for so that I supernatural really they... horror theme of the motif of the the '70s. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like again, watch watch like a trailer for it. It looks like Friday the thirteenth. Oh yeah. Um, and then so I just I, I really hope that they that they just nail the landing. That whatever, whatever, because I have no foggy idea what sixteen sixty six is gonna pull. I just hope that they nail the landing and it doesn't go too far off the walls. I want <laughs> off the walls, I don't want out the window. Yeah. You don't want well, like you don't want like one of the, the more you want like the earliest version of Hellraiser, not the latest version of Hellraiser. Like I could go as far as Jason X. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jason X is a really good comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I you know that's how I feel about it. I think it's, I mean by that point it's just it, it ran the course all the way to just being a comedy because like there's nothing else for. Jason to do in except in go to space. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's you actually know. It, it it's put me really on a on a on a really solid horror buzz because I also watched uh, Jennifer's Body over the week, which is just a just oh, a stellar great. movie. And I, like I'd been meaning to watch it for ages, mm. and then it was when I saw what it up on Disney Plus. <laughs> Which is, I love, I love yeah. that I live in a world where I can watch Jennifer's Body on a Disney. Yeah. It's it's like watching that Aliens on. Me. It's like watching Aliens on Disney Plus. It just, <laughs> something just makes me feel good about myself to being able to do that. It just, oh, it's wonderful. Um, so I, I, I think I might go back and watch like, because I've actually haven't seen most of the Friday the 13th or mm. I've actually, I've never actually watched the Hellraisers. I've, I've only yeah. seen bits. So it's, it's, it, this is, this is really just like put me on the, on the fast track to watching a load of those classics. Classics. Yeah. If you're actually, I, I, uh, if you're ever in the mood for a for a non-classic horror film, I always have like a really good pick for people who enjoy horror films, 
but have kind of gotten to a point where they're going, well, I'm, I'm up for watching something a bit more experimental and a bit more unusual, um, which is, it's a film called The Signal, okay. where um, basically it was made by three directors where they, like, they basically all had to finance doing a, uh, they all had to finance doing a film for their degree. Um, and all of them had ambitions for what they wanted to do. So instead of just doing, instead of trying to do, accomplish what they wanted to do in a film over a, you know, a 19 minute or 100 uh, minute runtime, they pulled their finances together and one would direct the first act, one would direct the second act, and one would direct the third act. And they would just kind of like have a plot line run across the three of them. Okay. So the first one so again it's called the signal so the first one basically starts off as being like a very uh george romero style uh horror film so think very much think uh night of living dead situation Mm. um and then the second one is very much influenced by peter jackson's style of horror and then the third one yeah modern hammer style yeah, and then the third one's very much influenced by David Cronenberg's oh, style of horror. Oh, and that's a swerve. <laughs> yeah, and, but like I mean, it, it's one of those things where like I feel like if you go into it not knowing that, you don't appreciate what you're seeing because like because again, those, each one of them is massive twists. I'd say without knowing that, the and, whole thing feels just entirely disjointed. Yeah, entirely. Entirely. Um, I mean, each each bit works in the confines of what it is, but outside of that, it would be a nightmare to, <laughs> to try and sit through it. But it, again, it's a very experimental thing. Again, it's student films, but it's very well done. It's really, really enjoyable. Like, um, It's a bit like watching from dusk till dawn and not knowing that <laughs> Romero takes over halfway through. You're like, where yeah. do these vampires come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, as, like, again, it, 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 it's one of those films I love recommending, but it's I have to do it giving a background for what happens because otherwise you just go, what, 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 what's happening now? Why is it suddenly really funny? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. I saw that guy. That guy doesn't have that much blood in him. Where did all this come from? Yeah, basically. Oh, look. Look at how it's everywhere now. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and 40 minutes later, it's like, wait, what shape is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, Cronenberg horror is just... It, you need to be in the right mood for David Cronenberg horror, I find. <laughs> You can't just you can't just on a whim decide you're going to sit down and watch Videodrome. You have to really go like I'm planning to watch Videodrome this Saturday and emotionally prepare for that experience. I'm going to sit down and center myself 20 minutes before I watch Videodrome. <laughs> it's it's what has to be done. Otherwise, it, it's just not a nice time, you know. God damn, but yeah, I mean, like. For those who haven't seen it, Videodrome is an absolute trip of a film. But oh, yeah, same. I, I actually, I, I, I only know I through like cultural zeitgeist. Do I know Cronenberg? I don't think I've actually sat down. Like I've definitely never watched Videodrome, but I yeah. haven't watched any of his stuff just yet. Um. So like, 
I think so. Like the there's like three films that are probably like he's he's most famous for because of the body horror in them. There's Videodrome. Uh, there's Videodrome, Existence, and The Fly. So like, uh, The Fly is a remake where you have Jeff Goldblum in it and it has like amazing prosthetic work, but it's oh man, it's it's very uncomfortable because again, body horror. Um, uh, and then, like, Videodrome and Existence are kind of, like, Existence can be kind of seen as, like, either a spiritual remake or a spiritual successor to Videodrome, where Videodrome is very much about this idea that networks are taking over our minds, and Existence is very much about how video games are taking over our minds. Um, and then The Flies, about how flies are taking over our minds. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fly is just unpleasant. <laughs> 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 hey you know what this is weird you want to see yeah. something weird yeah like i mean like it it, it takes kafka's book and goes <laughs> i can make this worse you know but, like, there there is there is a scene um and for people who've, who've heard this they'll they'll i also say this there's a scene in where uh goldblum is in front of a mirror and now you can picture it in your mind and you're like oh yeah that was horrible um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, yeah again my, my extent of the fly is is definitely the simpsons episode <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it's i mean yeah it's a it's a bit different it's a bit different and <laughs> um, there's the other, like the one of the other things he did was um, an adaptation of a graphic novel called *The History of Violence* uh, with Viggo Mortensen, which, it, it, I mean, it, it, people, it, people vaguely remember because it got a level yeah, of uh, it got a level of um, it got a level of like um, publicity, basically, like. It's a it's a film. The film and the book are both about a guy who work who basically runs his own cafe in a small American town, and um, a guy who tries to like cause trouble. So he defends himself and basically glasses the guy with a coffee pot, and that's pretty much everyone knows about it. Like it has Viggo Mortensen in it. Ed Harris is in it. It's a good film. Yeah, it's, I think I think yeah no that's yeah no. To, like Vigo Mortensen glassing coffee pot. It's definitely that's just a, that's just taking up a file in the back of my mind that just sits yeah. there. Yeah, I mean the, it's interesting because I read the book before I saw the film. Um, as one of the few graphic novels where that's been one <laughs> been the case, but um, it's interesting. I always noticed like it was very interesting the things they changed. Like the the book itself is like two chapters, and the second chapter is entirely different from the second half of the film. Like they could not be any more different from each other which was just like okay I, I see what you're doing film but it's it's a wild deviation it's like the kind of it's like a Cronenberg or some screenwriter just went eh, I don't like the second half of the book <laughs> like, <laughs> just literally with copy of book in hand it's like I have my own ideas <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna streamline down and fundamentally change the point of this story. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Zack Snyder, is that you? <laughs> Takes yeah. the mask off. You taking squids what, out of books again? I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you and your meddling <laughs> kids. <laughs> oh, Zach. 
please, mm. please change, please. please change. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. But yeah, um. Which speaking of, you oh. never watch. You never got around to watching that. Um... Oh jeez, oh, what was the name? The zombie one. Ah. Oh. What zombie one? The Zack Snyder one. Oh yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I I remember seeing that like a lot of the reviews for it were like it is it is like a solid like four four out of ten movie, but by damn, I just happy to see something in a cinema. I feel like I feel like there's gonna be a lot of love given to very mediocre films for a while, just because it's like, god damn, it's nice being in a cinema again. Like, I think I get I get the feeling that uh, that that uh, uh, Friday that Vince uh, that Vince Vaughn Freaky Friday movie is going to get a lot more positive press. Just oh, yeah. it's something to see. It's something. Yeah, I think I, I think it, that's one of those films where like I look look. I think it's actually it's nice to finally get a horror themed Freaky Friday. Um, because like outside of that, the only time I've seen something remotely close to that has been The Simpsons, where it was snakes <laughs> hairdo like. <laughs> Taking over Homer, <laughs> you know. So it's not. Yeah, like it's, it looks. It looks. It looks B. It looks. It looks B. Like mid tier. It looks all right. It looks fine. People yeah, don't love it because like, they're just gonna go see it though. It's it's a bit of pep, you yeah. know. Which to be fair, at this, if there's anything we need at this point in time, it's a bit of pep. Like again, you know. I like the first movie I went to see uh, was 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 the Demon Slayer movie. I mm. just. Uh, just the delight of just sitting in a chair with a bag full of popcorn, watching the watching some just dumb anime nonsense. Yeah, I just if we're we're late in the show, I I I, I want to I'll drop a I'll drop a quick spoiler. If you do not wish to have this the movie spoiled, drop off now. Yeah. It's been it's been great having you. But there is there is a scene halfway through that movie where you find out that the bad guy. The movie takes entirely takes place on a train. Yeah, an hour into the movie, they fight like the main bad guy on top of the train, and then you look at your watch and like there's an hour of this movie left, and then you find out the bad guy is the train. <laughs> oh wow! And I'm oh, like, ah, oh, I missed this. <laughs> this is ridiculous, and I love it. Yeah. Oh man, like. It, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. I haven't had a chance to go back to the cinema just yet, but that's you know, small small children have a have that effect on parents. Um, even even outside of COVID, they have that effect on parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that's definitely something that uh, I, I have a feeling it'll probably be something like a uh, Black Widow that will probably get that will I'll probably get time to see in the uh, in the cinema, but I. Yeah, outside, like outside of that, I can't see anything coming up in the pipeline just yet that's going to get me there. I'm trying to think of what I'm actually. I'm pulling a blank. To be honest, I I'm probably gonna like. I think Black Widow is the one I'm probably gonna give a miss. I have mm. zero interest. I yeah. I I I think back when I like the, I was talking about this with uh, with my girlfriend the other day that like. You know, a year ago, I was still in the habit of going to har- to to Marvel movies, just out of pure habit. I would be like, "Oh, I'll just go," because that's what we always do. And now I'm out of the habit, but I'm like, eh, 
I, I still feel like I'm going to go and see it because that's what always happens, you know? <laughs> see, I, 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 I had, like, I think everyone, a lot of people are probably on the same boat as this, where Endgame, we all felt that fatigue. I, 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 I very haphazardly got brought to see Spider-Man Far From Home, and it was fine. But I, like, I wasn't actively going to go watch that. Yeah. Uh, so getting the break and the TV series are definitely probably back in where I'm still back excited. And we can we can talk about Loki in a sec, maybe maybe a little yeah. maybe the treat. Yeah. Um, but like now that I am back in the headspace where I'm like, no, you know what? I'm I've bought back into the MCU now, and I s- still don't care about Black Widow. I'll go see Shang Chi. That's that's probably like mm. that's the one I'm probably gonna go see. Shang-Chi is something I'm genuinely excited for. It looks like everything I hoped Iron Fist was gonna be. Yeah. Like, I, know. I know nothing about Shang-Chi as a character, but I'm just like, I give me just something new. It, it looks like it's doing martial arts, and I I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a very easy person to please in, in certain respects. What a, and, the one thing I'm trying to, the one thing I think I'm just gonna try and level with is the fact that it looks like it's bringing, like, it's obviously, it's it's reintroducing a character, but it's bringing everything down to that, like, Iron Man 1 scale of, like, the movie. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a, that's a building block from where we're sitting now. Yeah, basically. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I think I'm we, we definitely need those it. kind of lower stakes, though, from time to time. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I'm, I'm very much at a point now where I don't, really care about high sp- about seeing high stakes films purely because like in the last decade even outside of the marvel films like if you look at like what fox is doing with with x-men what fox did with fantastic four you look at um uh you look at the 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 dc films all of them are these like gigantic stakes film like the first wonder woman film she she defeats a god like you know, it's oh the, yeah, the, it's it's the same reason that even though they fumbled it, the hmm. last X Men movie I was genuinely super excited about was New Mutants. Yeah, man, that film. <laughs> <laughs> they, man. It wasn't good, but I was excited. It was something different. It yeah. was something small. Well, like in, you know, uh, as par uh, as par for cor- for the course with um, uh, with the production starring teenagers, they tried their best, but it wasn't good. <laughs> you know, it is kind of like how where where I fall down on on New Mutants. It just like, I mean, it it just wasn't engaging as a story. <laughs> it wasn't put together. It was yeah. it was four different movies in one that had no cohesion. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how. Like, cause I know it obviously got reshot a bunch. I just, it, it feels like nobody was is steering the ship at Fox. I don't. Yeah. But because like that, cause that came out at the same time as dark Phoenix. That was also a train wreck. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why Fox just goes like, oh, we'll do Dark Phoenix again. It's like, it didn't work the last time. No, people <laughs> like Dark Phoenix. Yeah. No, no we don't. No, people, people like okay, Dark people Phoenix. Okay, people like Dark Phoenix. In the comics, in the comics. sure. But like... It's because like people know, like the people who, who read the comics know Dark Phoenix, but Fox don't have the understanding to be like, no, we have to get to space to get there. Yeah, but it's also like, 
I mean, there's so much other stuff that comes along with Dark Phoenix that has to be done. And it's just like, as I said, like go to space, but it's also just like, even without space being a thing, like there's just so much, there's so much that needs to be brought into it. Like, you know? And yeah, like there's, there's so much just character history that has to get to that point that I'm sorry, Fox, Apocalypse did not deliver. No. <laughs> Again, when you had like, when you had Cyclops, Gene and uh, Nightcrawler spend an hour and 20 minutes just going, we're here, we guess. <laughs> like, that's what happens. Like, you know, oh man, that film, like Apocalypse was... <laughs> Oh geez, like you know, it like it is a testament to how bad it was as a film that Suicide Squad wasn't the worst film I'd seen that year. Like, <laughs> oh, was the lower that was the same year. Yeah, oh. yeah. Suicide Squad had a lot of the same issues, mainly structural, but Suicide Squad also had like, you know, enjoyable actors. <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, you know, you could see why everyone was... Like, you could see the purpose everyone had and why they were in the film. Apocalypse did not have that. And that's really what clinches it. And when you can say that you saw the purpose of everyone in Suicide Squad, it just just death nails the entire thing. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty bad, pretty bad... But yeah, oh god. Um, speaking of things that were uh, much more enjoyable, Loki has been great. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, we, I, I don't think we'll get too far into no, it uh, for, for, for lack of aside from the fact that, like, you know, we're only still partway through it, but I think uh, Kian will kill us, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, you know, I mean, but yeah, no, to, to like up till episode four because we haven't watched episode five, yeah, happened. But there's so much. It 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 is doing so much legwork mm. to just build out Marvel as a universe, while still also being a deeply personal story. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I, turned, I turned to my girlfriend at one point and I'm like, "Oh, this is what Doctor Who would be like if I gave a crap about Doctor Who." <laughs> 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 like, hi, Ian. Uh, hi, Ian. I don't mean to hurt you, but. It, on this occasion it had to happen um, but like yeah that, that's pretty much how I feel about it it's just been because like there's just something that there's just something really enjoyable about how it's telling the story and how complex there it is, is sheer charisma really, is oozing really engaging from, to me there's sheer charisma oozing from just every inch of it between just the leads and just how they're uh, just developing everything again, like it, like it really hinges on Hiddleston, and he is just ooze. Like you can tell the fact that you can tell that he has a hand in it because he's just having so much fun. Um, but yeah, I Loki Loki's a truly it's it's doing a fantastic job, uh, and I think everyone will we'll talk about it more when when we have more of the guys on, and definitely probably we'll do like a whole series wrap at the end of the at the end of the run. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely that's a good shout. Like, uh, because there's I, so much. Like, we have to get a whole picture here. There's so much. There's so much that needs to be explained. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what well, I think, 
I think because it's probably like, well, the one thing I want to kind of like just t- touch upon because I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it's not so much like a plot detail, it's just like an actor's performance. And I just really like the fact that we're not getting a purse lips Owen Wilson performance for once. It's just been really <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> just, you know, Owen Wilson just talking, just like, talking and acting. Yeah, like, oh, like Owen Wilson actually taking part in the craft of acting <laughs> for once. It's been very enjoyable. <laughs> I hope he does go. more of it. I just, you know, look at look at Wilson go. I hope he does more of it. You know, it's because he was very, he's been very good so far. I've actually, I've been pleasantly surprised by how well he's done. You know, no, he's been, he's like for being an agent of a time organization. He's been probably the most grounded character we've met. Mm, absolutely, yeah. but I get, he's just got this like, but he has like that humble kind of charm to him. Which again, like, I mean, that's probably why they cast uh, Wilson in in that role. But he, because he brings that to it, it really just adds like a great element to his character. Somebody just get that man his jet ski. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> uh, okay, so we that is time for this show now. Uh, I I don't think there's any point in asking. Neither of us have anything to plug right now. No, no, just you, uh, you know you know what to do, guys. Go to nerdtoknowmedia.com. Um, show us there. Um, hit us on the YouTube, the Twitters, uh, Facebooks, Instagrams. All the lads, you Hit know. us up on all the socials. Check out all the other shows. Uh, I have recently actually, to plug another show, uh, I recently listened to Dara's Metal Dialogues with uh, Jeremy Swist, the, uh, oh, nice. the metal classicist. And it is a fantastic listen. Just dissecting the correlation between heavy metal and classical studies. It is, I, I love both of those subjects, so it absolutely appealed to me, but it is a fascinating listen. Uh, Jeremy Swift is a truly, truly fantastic man. Sweet, sweet. That's definitely uh, going to be on my, uh, almost certainly going to be on my list of uh, what I'm going to be listening to tomorrow. Uh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, this has been Nerds No Basis, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah, bye-bye. absolutely. Bye bye. If all this is worth it, we do work at night. She says I'm not romantic. I say she's so dramatic. Check out the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm. And of course, over on NerdToKnowMedia.com, the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 